It's now that time when we get to connect with leaders in the community, find out a little bit about who they are, what they do, and how they feel about the current state of the city. My guest today is Jamal Myers. He's city councillor for Scarborough North, Ward 23. Welcome, Jamal, to Toronto this weekend. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, So (laughs) it has been quite a year to be a new councillor in the city of Toronto. Uh, In one word, how would you describe it? Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that opens it up to just peel back the layers, Jamal. Interesting. Uh, You have an interesting life, as I was uh, uh, researching a a bit of who you are. You were born and raised in Scarborough. Um, Tell me about growing up in the city and what was that like for you? I mean, I had such a unique childhood growing up, so... I was primarily raised by my mom. I lived with my mom and my brother, and we grew up in Toronto community housing, uh, right at Birchmount and Eglinton, which is uh, right beside a police station. And, you know, back then, uh, growing up in TCHC, there was a stigma, but it wasn't anything like today. I mean, Mm. back then, there was a swimming pool. uh, There was a summer program for the kids. um, You know, the building was relatively well-maintained. Um, and then on the weekends, I would actually spend with my grandparents uh, at 401 in Nielsen. And then on Saturday, my dad would pick me up and I'd spend the weekend with my dad's stepmom and stepsister in Pickering. And then, you know, I'd start the whole thing again on Monday. <laughs> so yeah. I got to see a lot of different parts of the city. And, you know, for me, what sticks out is I really only got to experience Toronto because there were such well-funded public services back then. So we didn't have a car with my mom, but I lived relatively close to the subway station. So I could get anywhere in the city. I didn't really have to wait for a bus. And that just opened up so many opportunities for me in terms of where I went to school, the types of things I got to do on the weekend, or even just, you know, my first de- my first uh, job, which was a job downtown uh, in a restaurant. You're, as you are describing your childhood and growing up in Toronto housing, I also grew up in Toronto housing. It sounds like you lived in bougie Toronto housing because you had a pool. Because I didn't, we didn't have a pool. <laughs> so that's like another level, Jamal, yeah. than uh, what I grew up in. Uh, but, you know, I did grow up in a, a nice Toronto housing house. But you're right. I mean... Uh, the TTC was seen, at, we didn't have a car either uh, for, you know, we got a car later on, but the TTC was the main mode of transportation and it was safe. We felt safe being on. Did you feel safe back then growing up on the TTC? Oh, absolutely. And not only was it safe, it was reliable. Yeah. It was clean. It was comfortable. Um, and it just opened up you know, growing up in Scarborough, it just opened up my world in terms of, you know, exploring different parts of the city on my own, uh, being able to have my own independence and autonomy. And it's just something that's really a shame to see the state of the TTC right now. Yeah. How have you seen the city change over the years? So the city has changed dramatically. Like I, I'm old enough to remember when Toronto had this obsession of being a quote world class city, mm. um, and everything you know, you know, you know, City X had an aquarium, so we had to build an aquarium. Mm. Um, whatever city they were doing something, so we had to do this. It was really just Toronto trying to prove itself. Um, but at least back then, the city really worked for its residents. Mm. I think what's changed is, 
you know, in this obsession to become this world-class city, we've really forgotten about the residents of the city and taking care of the people who actually live here. Um, we only sort of invest in our infrastructure if it's uh, for tourists or special events. So you can think of FIFA, the World Cup, or, you know, whenever, whenever we make a bid for the Olympics, we promise all of this new infrastructure. But other than that, there's really no vision or investments in the people of this city. And I think that's something we've really gotten away from since, you know, the mega city came uh, to life back in 1998. I eventually want to get to the point of why did you sign up to be a city councillor then? But I do, I, I think it's fascinating. You attended NYU, uh, you worked in New York as a corporate lawyer and then returned to Scarborough in 2018 and then slowly became this community organizer. What were the needs that you were seeing in Scarborough? And why did you feel like I need to come home and I need to, to dig my heels into helping my community? I mean, I'm pretty sure that you could have stayed in New York as a corporate lawyer and made a lot of, a lot of good money. I mean, I was making a lot of money. Right. And, you know, as someone who grew up in TCHC, as you know, like, you know, my, I have, um, Jamaican parents mm -hmm. and when I told them you know I was giving up my job to come back home <laughs> they were like <laughs> I'm laughing because I already know how this conversation went exactly um <laughs> they were like are you crazy um so you know I came back home in 2018 uh because I was so burnt out uh and it wasn't really doing the type of meaningful work that I had wanted to do when I first went to law school uh, and I moved back and I moved back to Scarborough and I actually lived with my grandmother. Mm. Uh, so it was just the two of us back in the old family home. My grandfather had passed away 10 years prior. So it was just the two of us. And I wanted to do something in the community. I had no idea what that was. Um, and, you know, one day I was taking her to the doctors. Uh, we live right at 401 Nielsen and... Uh, we had to cross the street to get to the bus. I said, okay, let's cross. And she said, I can't. And I said, why? And she said, there's no crosswalk. And for me, it was kind of like that light bulb moment uh, that went off in my head. And I'm like, oh yeah, there is no crosswalk. And you know, we're right by the highway. So we had to walk about 200 meters down the street in order to see the crosswalk there. So that sort of just you know, sparked my interest in, you know, how we all experience the city so differently. Like I've used this bus stop so many times and it never once occurred to me that, yeah, there is no crosswalk and mm. someone like my grandmother can't use it. Uh, and then I looked at it and I'm like, well, if she can't use it, kids can't use it. Uh, people with disabilities can't use it. Um, you know, parents pushing strollers can't use it. And it just sort of showed me how we all sort of interact with the same infrastructure in the city, but we interacted with it very differently. Wow. Um, and there, it sort of just sparked my interest in you know public transit. Um, it sparked my interest in health. Uh, I got into local economic development and affordable housing. Um, and I did that for about a year, and I got to really get to know Scarborough. Most of my work was done in Scarborough. A lot of it was done in Malvern. And I really just got to see a side of the community and learn about the community um, that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And, you know, it really just helped me grow as a person. And it sort of helped me rediscover who I was, what I was interested in, what I wanted to do. So, you know, when I went back to work, I eventually went back to being a corporate lawyer, but this time in-house at TD Bank. I really wanted to find that, you know, proper balance between, you know, having my professional life, but also like having the importance of a 
good, healthy balance of doing community work, doing good work in the community. And I was able to find that. And that was like one of the most satisfying parts of the whole transition of moving back to Toronto. And then at some point there was a desire to run uh, for counselor of your ward. So uh, Jamal, you know, you're talking about coming back from New York, uh, being a corporate lawyer uh, in New York and uh, coming home in 2018 and really getting involved in your community. Um, You know, what you said earlier on about the city has almost forgotten uh, to work for its citizens, for its uh, residents really uh, resonated with me because I think you, you're you on to something there. So with that all in mind, why did you take me back to making the decision to run for city councillor? So I always knew in the back of my mind that some at some point I wanted to run for office. And I specifically wanted to run for city council because you know, municipal government is the closest to the people, and that's where you can really have an impact in terms of, you know, improving people's day-to-day lives. And, you know, for me, it all started with the, I was, like I said, I was a transit activist. Uh, the decision to, you know, cancel the um, Scarborough LRT transit plans and to replace it with the subway. Mm. Um, so I was very involved in terms of trying to make sure that Scarborough got the transit that it needed. And, you know, having, you know, having a corporate law background, uh, you know, looking at pro formas and, you know, under reading the reports, I came to realize, you know, the Scarborough subway wasn't in the best interest of most Scarborough transit riders. And I include myself among them. I don't own a car. So TTC is my primary way of getting around. And, you know, I understand that most people in my community had a different opinion. But what I thought was really just disappointing was to see how the issue was so politicized. Um, it was very little to do with, you know, improving transit for Scarborough riders. It was all to do with, you know, if we build a subway, there's going to be all this new development and we're going to attract all these investors. And it was kind of like, well, what about the people now? What about the neighborhoods now who are taking, you know, an hour and a half, two hours each way to get to perhaps a minimum wage job on the other side of the city or, you know, trying to get to the airport or whatever? There was almost no discussion about that. It was all about, you know, bringing investment and, you know, Scarborough deserves a subway. And I think that really just sort of like opened my mind that, you know, it was really time for me to step up and sort of bring a different lens to the conversation uh, and a different viewpoint. I thought my background, you know, really contrasted uh, with the incumbent. And so that's why I decided to put my name forward. And I knew that community very well. I had worked in that community. So it's somewhere I really felt connected to. And the incumbent was uh, Cynthia Lai. um, And her untimely death left that door open. And obviously you you were elected. There was still an election that happened. And um, you won. Um, Jamal, tell me, with the mayoral campaign going strong, one of the main issues that keeps popping up is affordable housing. I know you are very passionate about that. Um, you are planning, you're on the planning and committee, uh, housing committee. Why are things moving so slow when it comes to building affordable housing in this city? I mean, there's so many different reasons. Um, a lot of it is, you know, our planning policies and the way we've designed them, it's sometimes as easy to build a 10-story affordable housing 
unit as it is to build a 60-story condo unit. Mm. So as a developer, obviously you'd go for the 60-story condo unit just because, one, you're going to actually make a profit, and it's the same process. Um, so we haven't, as a city, been able to, until very recently, sort of prioritize these affordable units. Um, another big why reason... Why aren't we prioritizing it? Why, like, but why aren't we? I mean, there is a lack of affordable housing. We have people on the streets. We have a uh, homeless issue. And, uh, and we're, you know, and again, I think making the differentiation, which I try to do on this, on this show a lot, is deeply affordable housing, especially for those who can't even afford the affordable housing in the city. But why are we not making that a priority? Why are we not saying, no, this needs to be number one on the list of solving right now? So we have recently, but until very, until I'd say the pandemic, affordable housing was an issue for that affected other people. Mm. Now, since the pandemic, it's affecting everyone. And not only is it affecting everyone, it's affecting the city on a different level in terms of our ability to attract people, the city's ability to retain employees. Um, that means that we have trouble retaining employees, and when we do retain them, we have to pay them significantly more to keep up with the rising housing costs. So now it's, and then obviously you can see the homeless crisis all over our city. Um, people sleeping in the TTC, people sleeping in libraries, uh, people sleeping on the streets. So it's now so deep that it's just impossible to ignore. Um, and for so long, it's sort of just been not something that's really been laser focused on. So, for example, we had this great program, this great initiative called Housing Now, where back in 2019, the city would use its surplus land to build affordable housing. So think uh, TTC parking lots um, beside subway stations as a mm -hmm. perfect example. And what would happen is the you would entice a private developer to come in and build a certain number of affordable units. Uh, and to do that, they would be allowed to build a certain number of private units. And those private units would cross-subsidize the affordable units. What was happening was, you know, we would have these meetings and there would be a lot of pushback from the local community and the local councillors didn't want to go against the local community so instead of a, you know, 30-story building with, you know, half of the units being affordable, we would end up with a 10-story building with maybe 10% of the units being affordable. And that would be the agreed plan. However, when you actually ran the numbers, the numbers didn't add up and they didn't make sense. So when interest rates, you know, drastically spiked, or, you know, not drastically, but they went up significantly. And, you know, we had in all these other factors, such as rising labor costs, rising costs of materials, you know, these plans that were already on shaky ground made no sense for private sector developers. So that's the position that the city is in, where we did all this work based on a set of numbers that were shaky at best. And yeah. now, you know, the market has completely changed. They're just totally unrealistic. In a lot of instances so we haven't done that there's another instance of you know for a long time we haven't um legalized rooming houses um rooming houses were legal in toronto and former parts of uh, tobacco and york but they were illegal in the rest of the city 
And in places like Scarborough North, uh, rooming houses are some of the only uh, sources of affordable housing. We don't have much uh, TCHD. So that's some of the only deeply affordable housing in my community. And once you leave a rooming house, uh, the next stop is usually homelessness. Yeah. Um, and for so long, they've been illegal. Not because they weren't needed, not because there aren't thousands of people across the city living in them. It's just that people didn't want to have rooming houses beside them. And a lot of politicians didn't just have the courage to say, well, these houses are already there. So if we actually legalize them, we have the power to regulate them and sort of dealing, deal with a lot of the nuisance issues that, you know, cause people to not want rooming houses to be beside them. So that could be things like litter, excessive noise, you know, fire hazards. Right. Um, so we did legalize them last year. But, you know, this has been a process for about 13 years. Yeah. Uh, it I, should not have taken that long to legalize something that's already there and that's so desperately needed across the city. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, Jamal, I'm out of time and I had so many more questions for you. I did want to talk about uh, your uh, you're introducing a motion this week in council recommending Toronto become a charter city. You'll have to come back on the show and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, but to, to the point about housing, though, before we go, I think the problem we run into, not just in the city, but I feel in this country, is things have to get to a head before we see that, oh, this is a problem. The, you know, the fire is, is burning and we have to uh, extinguish it. And we get to the point where we have a pandemic and then we realize, oh, we have an affordable housing problem where I think this problem was staring us in the face for a long time. We just continued, as you have said, we continue to ignore the desires of uh, residents in this city. And now we are in this huge problem of not having enough housing for people in the city. And it is a growing issue that city council and the next mayor uh, needs to tackle head on right away. But I am so I'm out of time. Loved our conversation. I hope you'll come back. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. That was Councillor Jamal Myers. He is a councillor for Scarborough North. Um, Again, so many great issues. As I said, he is introducing a motion this week in council recommending that Toronto become a charter city. This is not new. uh, So we'll see where that conversation goes.